0: A start On Demand. On Demand.
1: We're just two days away from Christmas, and hey, it is a wonderful and joyous time. But this is not the most wonderful time of year for many and the message on suicide prevention is being spread online. So we will discuss the importance of that message with a mental health and peer support advocate. CJOB's Christian O'Mal was in Toronto to witness the historic comeback that saw the Raptors come back from what should have been an insurmountable amount. And we also take a moment to give thanks and a salute to you, our great listeners. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back on Friday. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, December 23rd podcast for the start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is off. I am back. And uh, Greg, since McNabb is off, you brought in another co-host. I'm looking down at the floor here, and there's a, a furry little guy named whiskey yeah he's looking up at you he's uh admiring you much more
0: than uh mcnab usually looks at you <laughs> not quite as adoringly as whiskey
1: is right now yeah the disdain is uh the, t- the typical look but yeah whiskey is here we put a just put a video out on our 680 cjob twitter if you don't follow us there make sure you follow us and on our instagram as well we're almost at i think a fifty five hundred followers. Nice. So if you want to give us a follow there? That'd be great. Fantastic. How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. I uh, I actually I am just waiting to see how much weight is gained from what I ate this weekend. Because you you know when you eat uh, you you go on one of those like two day binges of food and then three or four days wait later you wake up and you go whoa where where did this come from because mm-hmm. Friday we went out for lunch. To, uh, to 529 Wellington. It's our annual trip to 529 Wellington, and I had a big burger and fries. And then Friday night, I went out to eat, and I had, like, this fried chicken and bacon grilled cheese sandwich. Where was this? Uh, that was at Brazen Hall. Oh, Brazen Hall. Yeah. and it, So that was delicious. And then Saturday, I went out to Earl's and had another burger. Holy smokes! And then Saturday night, I went to my buddy uh, Kent and Eileen's place and, had, and inhaled chicken wings and chips and dip. And then yesterday I went to Ben and Florentine for brunch. (laughs) Uh, And then I ended up having mac and cheese afterward for lunch with my neighbor. So I just ate like a pig this weekend. And uh, that's that's more calories than I've consumed probably in the last month. So Hmm. I'm not excited to see how that Ends up
0: well, and we're in the midst of eating season, we haven't even really kicked it off. We kicked it off this weekend, too. We were at a, a fantastic Christmas party on Saturday night. The food was unbelievable. You mentioned lunch at five to nine on Friday, never disappoints. So, uh, yeah, I'm right with ya. I, I, the, you. I that you, I <laughs> just watching you look at whiskey here. Yeah.
1: He's doing really well, it's great. He hasn't, he hasn't said anything. No, he Not hasn't said peep. anything.
0: No, he's pretty good for, uh, for a guy who hasn't been here yet. So I think he's doing okay. Um, the chips are everywhere, right? Yeah. The chips and the, like you can't go to anybody's house without them having uh chips and dip on the coffee table or in the kitchen. So the next week is going to be a, a big challenge for me to limit the intake on that stuff. Cause that is my major Weakness are the chips and dip. Yeah,
1: so I, I I I can't have that any kind of snack like that in my home. Cookies, potato chips, ice cream—if it's in my house or in my apartment, it will be consumed. I'll just in like I last week. I uh, for whatever reason I was craving chips, and I bought them, and I just inhaled them like an animal. What kind? Uh, they were. It was like cheddar and sour cream. Lay's the wavy Lay's. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I was that. I went to Safeway. I needed to buy pop or something, I don't know, and uh, while I was there, I grabbed some chips, and I just destroyed them like a wild beast, so I, it was it was an unhealthy week off, that's for sure, but I guess, hey, every, you gotta treat yourself, as they say from time to time, but today, I, I guess I will be having a salad. <sighs> <laughs> Maybe a ride on the
0: bike, like our friend Jeff, down under. Yeah! Got an email from him this morning, he's listening online, so good morning to Jeff, as uh, he's at is he quite at Christmas Eve yet? Not quite uh, in Australia, but he's uh, closer to Christmas Eve than we are as he's down under. And he sent us a story about, once again, how small a place the world has become. And Winnipeggers
1: are everywhere. He says, rode the bike to Coles, a grocery store, if you're, not, if you're not familiar with that, to grab a couple things and was wearing my cycling jersey with little maple leaves on it. Guy comes up to me at the checkout and says, where in Canada are you from? So I said, Winnipeg. He says, me too. (laughs) Bloody small planet. That it is. And uh,
0: that's in Queensland. So we say good morning one more time or good evening to Jeff down under. And there are some Manitobans heading down under. If you have not seen the visuals, the wildfires in Australia are absolutely devastating right now. They've surrounded Sydney. Uh, unprecedented wildfires in a country that is used to them. In fact, some Manitobans are heading down there, along with a contingent of firefighters from all over the planet to uh, help the Aussies.
1: Yeah, so I think there's uh, 69 Canadians in total, 51 firefighters will be heading down there. And uh, if you want to read more on that, just go to globalnews.ca because the Prime Minister of Australia is also under fire. No kidding. Because he took a family vacation to Hawaii. Right in the, in the middle, middle of, of this. all this. Yep. Yeah. Not of a good move. This. Not very smart. No, no, not at all. So, uh, globalnews.ca for more on that. And Greg, you spotted this. Uh, I, well, I, I saw it on Twitter as well, and uh, I know that you had a conversation. Was it Friday with Raymond Rahman? Actually, uh, Raymond was unable to make it on Friday.
0: He had a family emergency come up. But the whole idea that this time of the year is very difficult for a lot of folks is not lost on us. And uh, social media is spreading the word and acknowledging the fact that this can be a very difficult time of year. And the suicide prevention line has been spread uh, quite virally on Twitter. And that number is 833-456-4566. One more time, 833-456-4566. And the message is this, you are not alone for many people this is the toughest time of the year canada's national suicide prevention line is and i'll say it one more time 18334564566 a simple copy and paste might save someone's life would three twitter friends please copy this text and post it under their own name i've done that and i know countless people
1: in my twitter timeline have done exactly that yeah it's uh, it is an important thing to know and because this is not a happy time for everybody. I used to and I admit I used to have a hard time wrapping my brain around that concept that Christmas, how could Christmas, how could the holidays possibly be sad for anybody regardless of of who you've lost. And but now I get it with my mom having died last year, she was she was the 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 beating heart of Christmas in our household. She was like a one-person Christmas SWAT team. We used to joke and call her Yulezilla. And it just feels kind of empty now that she's gone. And it's it's not a, a happy time. I, I just put my Christmas trees out yesterday. I just had these two little tiny trees. I wasn't even going to bother. I just didn't care. But I wrapped my Christmas presents. And I, even that, like, I had to force myself to wrap my presents. And, uh... It's just kind of a sad time. So, and I know that, Greg, I think you had commented this was the first year in 17 years where you got excited about putting up your tree? Yep, absolutely, the very first time. And uh, the
0: kids know it, Jackie knows it, that for the last few years... Uh, as joyful a time as it is and how beautiful it makes our home, putting out all the decorations, putting up the tree has been very, very difficult for me because like your mom, my mom too was, and I love the way you put that, beating heart of Christmas in our family. My mom, I remember her third last year with us, uh, we went out to Boy's Vain for Christmas where she lived and she did breakfast in the morning, drove to Brandon and served at a at a soup kitchen there as a volunteer, served wow. a, an afternoon meal, and then came home and then fed all of us. And then, you know, her, her depression the next day kicked in. Almost, you could almost set a clock by it in retrospect now, that Boxing Day, my mom would be on the couch because for the previous two or three weeks, she was running around trying to make sure everything was perfect for everyone else, and then boom, she would crash.
1: This is hot off the press. Just sent out by the mayor, Brian Bowman, on Twitter, like in the last half hour or so. I guess, is this an annual tradition that he does? It's becoming such. Yeah, mean tweets. Mayor Brian Bowman reads, <laughs> mean tweets three, meaner, harsher, and unfiltered. He sent this out at 6.01 a.m. Let's see what he has to say.
2: I see you're kissing ass for votes. I've never kissed a single ass for votes. A few babies, several babies. Hey mayor, don't be an idiot, okay? Okay. You're pathetic. Wipe that stupid smile off your face. Honestly, I'm shaking my head. What is wrong with you? Well, you could ask my wife, Tracy. Hey Brian, go yourself, bud. Bye. <laughs> hey, bud. Winnipeg's worst mayor needs to learn to be responsible to the people and do what's best for the people He should just resign and hide his stupid face from the public. However, this loser got re-elected is beyond me I, I got no response for this one I really don't. Time to stop kissing ass and start kicking it, Mr. Mayor I wonder whose thinking think I'm kissing. I don't think they follow the news Child-in-Chief Mayor Bowman, I feel so good knowing this child is my mayor. Well, you know, people are saying they want more youth in politics, so South Park has a better moral compass, and clearly more sense in that matter, than a mayor of a major Canadian city. I would never kill Kenny. (laughs) Exactly how naive are you? Well, I had this friend who said, run for politics. It'll be a breeze so i know i'm dating myself but i'm a fan of the show mash and there's a quote from one of the characters dr Sidney friedman who once said in an episode ladies and gentlemen take my advice pull down your pants and slide on the ice i don't really know what the quote means but what i think it means is we don't have to take ourselves too seriously all the time so for all those that sent in mean tweets this year thanks for giving me a good chuckle and a laugh even though i know it wasn't intended Let's keep the conversation going in the new year. And thanks to everybody for watching my Mean Tweets 2019 edition. All the very best to you and your family in the new year.
1: So we've linked that video to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. If you want to check it out, we've also retweeted it from our 680 CJOB account. If you want to have a look, good sense of humor. I know not everybody is a fan of the mayor, but I enjoy when politicians can Can just kind of fall on the sword publicly like that and have a bit of a laugh. And To be able to read that stuff with a straight face, like that is mean stuff people are saying about him. And that's probably not even the meanest stuff. Yeah. He probably
0: had to saturate that a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh, sort out the stuff that was mean but not horribly disgusting. Because I know I've seen some of those tweets online directed at the mayor. We get it when he's here in the studio. We get text messages, people that want us to tell him certain things that we would never say to him. We might show him the screen from time to time and... He just wipes his brow and carries on with his day. You have to have thick skin to do that job. So uh, kudos to the mayor and uh, thanks to him for spending as much time as he he does with us. Is it Bob Irving? What does Bob Irving call us? A bunch of yahoos? Uh, Did he call us knuckleheads? Knuckleheads. That uh, sounds even more familiar
1: once upon a time. But right now we want to... Uh, return our attention to this huge fire that took place over the weekend, building under construction, Greg, on Pembina Highway.
0: Yeah, they're calling it the ARC, and it's a very impressive construction project, Uh, a 15-story building at the intersection of Bison Drive and Pembina Highway and the city councillor for Waverly West is Janice Luke. She joins us now. And Janice, I know this is a project that you are so excited to see <laughs> in your part of the city. We'll ask you if the the project is in jeopardy overall, but just tell us your reaction to the news uh, when it came down early Saturday morning.
3: Oh, I, it was devastating. I couldn't believe it. I, I had gone to bed early and um, had a busy day on Friday. I went to bed early, woke up at about... Three thirty, couldn't sleep. Looked at my phone, and and I, I mean, the pictures, the the videos were just shocking. And um, yeah, I got up and I went to the site to see what was going on. So it's crazy, you know. I'm I feel emotionally attached to this building because I've been working on it with the owners for about three years. It's going to solve a huge problem and won't completely solve it, but it will make a huge dent in our illegal rooming house situation once it's up and running because it's purpose built. It's strictly being built for students so that uh, students can rent a furnished one or two or three bedroom apartment with other students. There's reading rooms that are going to be on the floors, uh, recreation rooms on the floors. Anyways, I you know, it's probably going to delay the project. Um, I'm meeting up with the owner today, so I'll learn more today. But, uh, yeah, it's just, we we all love it in the south end here. I'm overwhelmed with all the texts and emails and phone calls I've been receiving on this building, you know. So I have to commend the architect when I see her. She put a lot of work into it. and, And the facade, when they call it the skin, when the skin goes on, it's going to be spectacular, the final design, when it's applied. So... Yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a difficult situation for sure and it's interesting. I was I was down at uh the University of Manitoba at the Blue Bomber store on Thursday and you can't mm. help but be in awe of the structure cuz it, it's <laughs> sort of curved and it and it's so tall. It stands out uh really for for miles if you like depending on which direction you're coming from. So it's going to be a bold statement. Have you had any information that would indicate that this project is in jeopardy or just the timeline
3: well it's it was just the timeline right the gentleman the, the company that owns it had put up uh, a banner I guess it was almost a month ago saying you know come come call this number go on the website for leasing and he's had uh, over 300 um, people call him to lease so one would think he's going to be highly motivated to get this thing done for the fall term that's that's the time frame originally that it was going to be you know open august twenty twenty so um I don't know you know maybe maybe the building won't be the complete sixteen stories maybe it'll drop a couple stories maybe the damage wasn't that bad because i it was all the tarps that were heating the top level and wrapped around the top level that was uh so spectacular when they were on fire so I'm not sure how much damage has been done to the concrete and the rebar and all of that, but you'll have to have that all tested and investigated. And, you know, for sure there's going to be a few weeks lost just in a mess, cleaning up the frozen ice and the mess. And I mean, it could have been worse it wasn't 40 below, thank goodness. I think the best, absolute best thing is no one was hurt. And, you know, if you think about, I started thinking about all the construction that I, the, the apartments that I've approved in the last six months alone Uh, in the Waverly West area and further down Pembina. Further down Pembina, there's uh, two more towers going in, I think 24 and 26 stories further south. Um, And there's about 20 very, very large apartment blocks going into Waverly West, plus a new elementary school and a new high school and a daycare facility for about 200 kids. So it's sort of to the point where I I really... I don't feel I can improve any more development because we really don't have the fire protection to service it. When these buildings are being built, it's the most highly vulnerable time that that fire can occur because they don't have their fire suppression sprinklers in or all their fire retardant walls. They've got you know welding and sparks and all kinds of things going on. And, and I sat there and I watched it when it was burning and I was thinking about all oh, these other buildings coming down the line, right? And and our shortage of a fire hall, uh, I penned an email to Mayor Bowman and his, his colleagues at EPC Plus 2 saying, look, you know, I've been talking about this, asking, pressuring, requesting, but it's gotten to the point where enough already. We need a fire hall in Waverly West. We can't keep growing as a city... That- you know, welcoming eleven thousand people a year, uh, where are we going to put them? So we're building all these developments, but the response time now is dropping, dropping annually from the fire hall. So Waverly,
1: Waverly West Councilor Janice Luke's joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Councilor Luke's, that's all the time we have.
3: <laughs> thank you, thank you as always.
1: <laughs> you too. Thank you so much for joining us as always. <laughs> Greg Mackling, I don't know that I would envy anybody who needs to get on a plane around this time of year.
0: No, it's a little bit stressful because you're worried not only about the weather in your hometown, whether it's Winnipeg or you're coming to Winnipeg, and then of course you're worried about the weather in your destination city, and I'm also guessing that with all the changes and the number of planes that have had to have been pulled over the last year or so with the with the Boeing Air Max and uh, the changes there, that there were flights that were anticipated to be available months ago that simply are not. We're going to James Richardson International Airport. Tyler McAfee joins us from YWG. Good morning, Tyler. Good morning. How are things going uh, out at the airport this morning, and how's the weekend been? It's great. Yeah,
4: things are great. It's uh, certainly a busy weekend. We had a lot of people uh, leaving town, a lot of people coming to town, so it was busy for sure.
1: In terms of, if I'm traveling, uh, whether it's for Christmas or whether it's for, for Hanukkah, Hanukkah began yesterday, Happy Hanukkah, a lot of people will be uh, carrying extra stuff in their bags. A lot of times people want to bring uh, gifts home, right? So is it, should people be taking extra care or be prepared to, to have their bags further inspected than usual?
4: Uh, So it's probably not different than usual, but what we do see this time of year is a lot of people who don't usually travel are traveling. So they don't, uh, you know, that business traveler who travels five or six times a year, they know exactly how to get through security. Uh, People who travel once every couple of years, they're not quite as sure. So CATSA, which is the screening agent in Canada, uh, they actually have a a website and an app you can use to tell you which things you can take and carry on, which things you need to check in your bags. And then uh, if you're taking gifts through security, we recommend that you don't wrap them because they may have to inspect the item, which means they'll have to open it up. Uh, but what we've done is we've created a gift wrapping station post-security. So once you get through security, you can wrap all your gifts and have them ready for you whenever, uh, wherever you're going.
0: That is absolutely brilliant. What a great way to go. That is extra service. And of course, with this time of year being what it is, we're already supposed to be at the airport fairly early in terms of your flight so this is a great way to make use of that extra time that that you should have between clearing security and getting on board. Uh, Absolutely yeah you can uh, get
4: yourself through security grab a coffee and you can kind of sit down and wrap your gifts and uh, take your time.
1: Is today going to be a busy day in terms of uh, the number of people who will be cramming into the airport?
4: Yeah, it's definitely a busier time of year. So the weekend was really busy. And then uh, we'll, we'll see a busy week. And then we'll probably peak again next weekend with people uh, either going home or people coming back to the city.
0: When we spoke to you on Friday, I think uh, you were telling us 12,000 is sort of an average day at YWG. And then you were expecting 16,000 people a day over the weekend. Did that come to fruition? And is that sort of the number where we think we'll be over the next several days?
4: Yeah, that should be our number over the next several days. I mean it's always uh you know, we always get the numbers from the airlines a little bit later, so we don't know exactly kind of that day how many people went through, but it's uh, you know, we're able to estimate based on the number of flights and uh the load factor, which is how many people are on each plane. So yeah, I mean that'll be the mark we'll be looking at.
1: In case you heard a dog bark, that's just Greg's dog Whiskey, who uh, came to work today and uh <laughs> Who's he angry at? I don't know. Somebody got whiskey's attention, but he's uh, just wanted to join the conversation. Tyler, he's filling in for Loren McNabb today. Uh, so, in ter- should I get to the airport a little bit earlier than normal? Like, what is? Uh, I don't. I would be one of those people who doesn't travel that often. Refresh my memory. How long for a domestic flight should I be at the airport prior to my flight?
4: So this time of year, the biggest, uh, the biggest stressor we see with people is just people who don't give themselves enough time. So they're stressed because they're trying to rush through everything, and the lines are a little longer. So if you're taking a domestic flight, we recommend about an hour and a half this time of year uh, to get to the airport early, especially if you're checking a bag, because that takes a little bit longer. Uh, if you're flying to the U.S., about two hours in advance is ideal.
1: Okay, so normally it's an hour for domestic, but now you're saying about an hour and a half? Yeah, we recommend an extra half hour at this time of year. Okay. Anything else you think we should know if we're getting ready to head out to the airport today?
4: No, I mean, the other thing is just uh, think about how you're getting to the airport. That's always a question people have, too. So if you're, uh, if you're taking a taxi, make sure you book that in advance. You can book all your parking options online ahead of time. So uh, it just relieves some of that stress.
1: Oh, in, ter- in terms of parking, what does it cost uh, if I want to leave my vehicle long term?
4: That's a great question. I don't, uh, I, I can't remember. I, uh, I'm fortunate that I never have to pay for parking at the airport. But, uh, it's, all,
1: it's all on our website for sure. Okay. All right. Tyler McAfee with uh, Winnipeg Airport. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it, sir. All right. Thank you. Tyler McAfee from the Winnipeg Airport Authority joining us live on 680 CJOB. In terms of the parking, I'm always too cheap to pay for the parking, but sometimes it might end up being cheaper, I would imagine, to park for a few days rather than taking a cab or a ride share, depending on where you're coming from. Uh, So again, WAA.ca if you want some more information. I just want to confirm that. uh, WAA... I said that off the top of my head. Yeah, WAA.ca. And uh, Whiskey, by the way, Greg Mackling uh, is making a case to to join the team this morning. Yeah,
0: he's all all of a sudden found finding his voice. He must have something to say. I'll have to try and translate it. Uh, but obviously, if you're traveling with pets, that's another reason to go a little bit earlier than usual. And uh, the whole idea, I was talking to somebody about this just the other day. That seems like, is Winnipeg the only place where people actually pick you up from the airport? It feels like a uniquely Winnipeg thing. Really? I'm not saying it's an exclusively Winnipeg thing, but very unique. One of my buddies was talking about, he had a colleague come in and said, oh, I'll pick you up at the airport. No, you don't need to do that. No, no. I, like I live like 13 minutes away. You live 13 <laughs> minutes away from the airport? How's that possible? Well, a third of the city is probably within, I would say, no more than a 20-minute drive, 20 yeah. minute drive from getting to the terminal at uh, Richardson International Airport.
1: Yeah, and I... I- I always feel bad because if I'm picking somebody up from the airport, I know we've got that hug rug inside where you can meet them when they come off the stairs. But I'm the guy who would rather just drive around and around and around until they <laughs> jet post three, yeah, until they <laughs> until they're ready. Going and I know you're not supposed to go sit in the the parking lot of the convenience store, so I don't do that. So I just drive around and around and around and around and around until I get the text that says, "Kate, I'm ready." It's a metaphor for our lives, Brett. Just driving around in circles. Right now, we want to just give some thanks here because uh, one of our listeners just came in to pick up a prize that she has had won, and brought her daughter and brought us some butter tarts. So, thanks first of all to the Adams, Andrea, Jason, and Charlotte, whom Loren and I met. At the fan event for the great Cup fan event on the the family day event on the Saturday at the convention center a few weeks back, and uh, Charlotte came in to wish us a merry christmas and I, I was just thinking about this the other day. We had another listener come in, uh, one of our most loyal listeners, his name is Parrish, and he listens rather loyally to c j o b and to our friends down the hall peggy at ninety nine one and power ninety seven and he often comes in with just boatloads of stuff. He came in and brought treats for everyone the other day, a big bag of the the cheese balls that you were stuffing your face with last week, Mm -hmm. Greg. There were hickory sticks and and chips, and he often brings in ice cream sandwiches. I don't know where he gets all this stuff. Pumpkin pies, you name it. And I just, uh, I even reached out to him and said, Parrish, you know, you're one of the most generous people we've ever met. And we're this is the time of, of giving and generosity. Would you like to pop on our show with us so we can thank you in person? And he of course, he was he was too modest and didn't want to you know he said, I don't know uh, that I really would want that much attention." And uh, that I, that didn't surprise me, that a man of his generosity doesn't really, he doesn't need the accolades. Yeah, he shows up
0: at every fundraiser we do. He mm. always comes with a gift in hand uh, for whatever uh nonprofit organization we might be supporting. I know he's been to Super Lube when we're there with the Pink Caps campaign over the years. So, uh, Parrish, a uh, huge thank you. Thanks to everyone who sends us a note, sends us a Christmas card, drops off. Uh, it's so appreciative. Uh, appreciated. And uh, you, we want to let you know just how connected we feel to so many of you. In fact, one of our listeners saw us out at lunch on Friday and said, we didn't want to come and bother you. We would have liked to have come and said, hey, always come and say hi. It is uh, It is one of the fringe benefits of being in the public eye the way we are, is that we get to speak to our listeners. And that makes everything. That's what, in my opinion, Brett, what it's all about is making those connections. So if you see us out and about, even if you have something nasty to say, don't uh, hesitate
1: yeah. to come over and say hello. Yeah, Dave, you could have come to say hi while we were eating. We, I always feel out of place when I go to 529 Wellington because uh, it's such a fancy place and I'm not a fancy person. But uh, Dave, thank you for for texting us this morning. You mentioned Christmas cards. Kristen, one of our most loyal listeners, sent us a Christmas card last week and said thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> Nothing to put up with. And I, I, I just actually on this uh, Subject. I, I wanted to take a moment to make a pledge as well, because I met another one of our loyal listeners last weekend. I was at a buddy's place for a, just a turkey dinner, and a gentleman there named Adam said, Oh, you're you're McGarry? I listen to you guys every morning. You guys suck at answering text messages. And I said, Hold on, hold on. Greg and Loren are very good at responding to text. I am not, because I... Uh, I'm sort of the, you could call us the the floor director perhaps around here, the de facto floor director. And as a result, I am often too distracted by trying to make sure that what's coming up next is ready to go. And then I look at the text and I say, okay, I got to respond to that. But then I get distracted. I'm also just super easily distracted. So if you've ever sent a text and we didn't respond or I personally didn't respond, it's nothing personal, but I am Pledging, it's not a New Year's resolution thing, right? Just in that moment, I thought I need to do better because we are not—we're here to serve our listeners, and if I'm not doing a good enough job at that, then I need to get better at that. So I can't do this job. We can't do this job without you, and we're here to interact with you. That is our first priority: is interacting with you and putting on an entertaining and informative show for four hours, and that includes responding to your text messages and your emails. Someone pointed out I'm brutal with email, and I I am. I I fully fall on the sword. So I just wanted to thank you, our listener. You are our family. You make our days complete. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to try to be better. i got to be a better version of myself.
0: Well, I'm going to get on that bandwagon with you, and I'm going to give a shout-out. I don't think she wanted me to use her name. Uh, but I, I met one of our loyal listeners as at a Christmas party on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. She listens every morning very, very religiously, and uh, you know who you are, so we'll say good morning to you this morning as well. I know you were a little bit embarrassed about the prospect of perhaps being mentioned by name. I won't do that to you because, uh, well, I just uh, respect uh, the heck out of that, and that's no problem at all, but you know who you are, and uh, for everyone that comes and says hello, it means the world to us.
1: Mackling and McGarry McNabb back on Friday. We direct your attention very quickly to the 680 CJOB Instagram page where we have just posted... A hilarious Christmas card that was sent to us by Shauna Crane and the Crane family. What a delightful family picture. Uh, I think this is actually probably the most accurate family picture I've seen on a Christmas card.
0: Yeah, it speaks volumes about uh, what uh, the Cranes and other families deal with every single day. It depicts uh, their three kids in less than ideal poses for a Christmas card, but... Once again, I think it probably depicts uh, life as it usually is in the Crane household. So, Shauna, thanks for
1: sharing that with us. We very much appreciate it. So, thank you. And now we head to the big smoke, the T-Dot, the Six, Tirana, Christian O'Mell, host of the CJOB Sports Show, is there. Good morning to you, Christian.
5: Well, to be accurate, Brett, I'm actually in Waterloo, Ontario at... It- about an hour and a bit up the road, but I was in Toronto yesterday for what you're about to talk to me about. Yeah,
1: but, you and I saw that I, I just caught this on your Instagram that you were taking in a certain basketball game yesterday, which left you quite surprised. What happened in Toronto?
5: Well, we decided to go to a Raptors game because, well, it's a nice thing to do. It's a fun thing to do. They just won the NBA title. I haven't been to one in, I'd say, at least a decade probably. I think Chris Bosh was on the team the last time I went to a Raptors game. And it was bad. It was not a good game. We're like, oh, why did we pick this game? Because the Raptors have a bunch of injuries. They were down thirty at one point in the third quarter. We're just sitting there, kind of chatting. It's a blowout. what you know? At least the role players get to get some playing time. This will be okay. And then at the end of the third quarter, it's you know, twenty-three point deficit. I'm thinking it would be be really cool if they came back and we get to saw that. But it probably just be a blowout. And then. We're thinking, okay, maybe if they just cut it to ten points, they had cut it to ten points in a, just a few minutes. They had tied it up, less than you know, about halfway into the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, the place is going nuts. We're thinking we might be witnessing something historic here. And the you know, the final five minutes is even basketball. The Raptors were trailing in the final minute, so back and forth they go. Uh, they get the winning bucket, Chris Boucher, a big dunk, a career night for the Canadian kid, and then they hold on to win the game. And it's stunning. <laughs> and she like, wait. The Raptors won this game. How is it possible? They're down 30, and it ended up being their their biggest comeback in franchise history, the biggest comeback in the NBA in 10 years. And, you know, 19 times out of 20, maybe 49 times out of 50, when that team's up by 30, it's over. But we got to see the one, and it turned out to be really cool. And something, you know, that's one of the probably the coolest live sporting things I'll ever see.
0: You've had a pretty good year on that front. Seeing live sports events and and maybe uh, I won't say all unexpected results, but but results that uh, are worth celebrating. Are you are you referencing the bombers, Greg? I am, and actually that leads to my next question. This whole idea that. The Raptors are the defending champions, but they're missing, obviously, a key piece of that championship team. Kawhi Leonard left after one full season with the Raptors, went to the LA Clipter, Clippers. And questions about who will stick around with the Blue Bombers, although the Bombers are, are making all the right moves right now and in uh, doing their best to secure their core. Is Raptors' fever still a thing in Toronto, despite the fact that there really isn't any expectation that the Raptors will repeat as champions this year
5: they absolutely still love this team and they will defend the title they will not go down without a fight for sure and you're right there's in in the nba unless you're one of a few teams right The, the raptors were kind of an anomaly over the last little while in terms of you always see lebron and the warriors go to the final and lebron wasn't there the warriors were but the raptors got it done yeah they lose leonard uh pascal siakam their best player wasn't there he was hurt last week they were missing a bunch of players and We're thinking, oh, they're down 30. They don't have somebody that can be that guy. And then in the fourth quarter, their veteran point guard, Kyle Lowry, was the guy, scored 20 points, and really helped lead them to victory. And is he going to do that every night? No. He doesn't have that in his tank anymore, but there are nights where he'll be able to do that. And the Raptors will have a pretty good season. They're not going to win the title, but I'd say the Blombers have a lot better chance of repeating than the Raptors, do.
1: Christian, when are you back hosting the sports show? January 6th, Brett. Wow, it's a nice little break for you. Yeah, vacation days. Christian O'Mel, host of the CJOB Sports Show, joining us live from Waterloo. Thank you very much, Christian. Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Text message from Colorado Phil, who says, Merry Christmas to all of you at CJOB. You keep me connected to everything back home in Manitoba, Canada. Thank you. Sincerely, Colorado Phil, loyal listener in Thornton, Colorado. Colorado Phil, thank you very much for that text. That was in response to our salute, to our listeners, and our thank you to our listeners who keep us connected to our community every single day. One of the things going on in the community right now on social media is something you may have seen, particularly on Twitter. It's an important message that reads, You are not alone. For many people, this is the toughest time of year Canada's National Suicide Prevention Line is 1-833-456-4566. Again, that number is 1-833-456-4566. A simple copy and paste might save someone's life. Would three Twitter friends please copy this text and post under their own name? That is the message, Greg, and we've found someone to discuss its importance.
0: Yes, and uh, Adam Millen has been a guest with us off and on for the last three years or more. And Adam is a mental health and peer support advocate. We've been discussing the value of peer support with Adam. And Adam, thanks for this and uh, Merry Christmas to you. How's this time of year for you personally? Good
6: morning. Thanks for having me on. Uh Seasons for me used to be a pretty hard time um, getting through all the different stuff. Uh, I'll be honest, since there's little kids in my life, it, it changes a little bit with all of their energy.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a really a, a good point. Uh, your station in life often changes uh, the place that your mind used to go once upon a time, but not necessarily the case for everyone.
6: That, that's true. Um, I mean, a lot of people, even when they have the family connections, uh, there's a lot of pressure when you have a family, and or when you don't have family. There's a lot of pressure at this time of year for people to to have the things you see in Christmas movies or in the cards or the commercials, and there's a lot of pressure to for this to be the best time of year. And I think that sets people up to fail.
1: Well, and actually, I'm just thinking now. I mentioned earlier in the show, Adam, that my mom was the beating heart of Christmas in our household. It was miraculous every year because of her, but inevitably every year. Uh, when I was a kid, at least, her and I would get into a fight because she would. She the, eventually, the pressure would would make her would cause her to buckle, and me being a, a whiny brat, she would just kind of snap and lose it uh, for a moment. But yeah, the there is a ton of pressure on, uh, particularly I think, on parents to to get it right, so to speak.
6: There is, and I think that pressure comes from the fact that as a group, as a community, we make this such an important event. I mean, there's the cultural significance, there's religious significance, there's, uh, you know, like everyone's buying presents, and it's a tough time financially for a lot of families that, uh, because they're trying to make Christmas this memorable thing, so when their kids go back to school in a week, they can talk about all, you know, how wonderful their Christmas holidays were, and all the things they got. And I think it's unrealistic to expect that, you know, that people can make this time of year really well when there's all the extra pressures on top of it. And I think that's uh, a problem that we have is by putting that pressure on people. We're not letting people use their usual coping strategies. They don't have all the access to stuff and because they, they try to have a better life for three weeks and they ignore the things that actually make their life better.
0: Yeah, and if emotionally you're already on overload, and if you're dealing with some sort of uh, mental uh, instability or unwellness, uh, this time of year is an absolute recipe. I don't want to say for disaster, but for potential disaster. And Brett, you make a really good point with regard to the gifts and and the pressure that builds. And Adam, I'd like your take on this because Jackie and I were out and about yesterday, and you could just see the look on some people's faces either in the stores or or in the, even in their vehicles in the parking lot, and I said to Jackie, "I said we're so lucky personally that that we're stressing out about how to find a way to to get just that right gift for our kids. We, we, we're fortunate that way, but for so many people, the pressure just mounts on a variety of issues. And you mentioned this idea of having your normal outlets, uh, what are you referring to there, Adam, and in, in terms of your uh, ability to to deal with this time of, time of the year."
6: Well, I think one of the one of the things is that in the normal day we, we seek out certain connections, um, whether they be personal ones, whether they be online, uh, whether they be things that we do, exercise, talking to friends, whatever it is, whatever those things are that you know help you through a tough day we we need to keep those things you need to make those connections especially now, because that's the balance that's the balance against all the stress and the pressure of um, of dealing with this kind of season is that when the pressure ramps up your support structure the one that you normally deal with you need to ramp up your usage of that structure so that there's a balance in your life and i think that's the the reason that we have a lot of pressure here and probably most of the time there's lots of pressures that we stop letting we stop balancing out what we're doing we focus on all the things we should be doing we focus on what it's supposed to look like and we don't focus on keeping you know you don't have that text message with uh, your friends that day It's just like, hey, I'm doing this, or you don't stop with your kids and just watch a Christmas movie. You need to get all the presents wrapped. You need the decorations to be perfect. You're still digging up that perfect gift. The perfect gift for most people is really just connection with other people. I mean, that's the thing that I'm sure that's what you remember from being a kid. I don't remember too many of the presents I got, but I sure remember all the things I did with my family around this time of year and my friends.
1: The message uh, says you are not alone. For many people, this is the toughest time of year. Canada's National Suicide Prevention Line once again is 1-833-456-4566. It could be a tough time of year, perhaps because you've lost someone important in your life and the Christmas season, which was once upon a time, a happy time is no longer a happy time. Adam, do more people die by suicide around this time of year than other
6: times? Uh, I, there are no specific numbers that say that they do, uh, but there's no numbers that say that they don't. Um, it's people die by suicide all the time. People don't get help all of the time. We're into the dark period of the year where people's seasonal things start kicking in already. We're adding the pressure of the holidays and the seasons in there. Uh, it's a pressure cooker for a lot of people. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to add a couple of numbers that people can call because maybe people don't get in the suicide hotline. But there's peer support available through the CMHA and the Mood Disorders Association. Uh, 204-982-6100 is the CMHA peer support line. What was that number again? 982-6100. And the Mood Disorders Association is 204-786-0987. If you're just concerned about where you are or where one of your family members are, you can call and talk to somebody there, hopefully before you need to call the suicide hotline. Because, I mean, the best way to, to deal with suicidal thoughts is to talk about them before they become suicidal actions. That, so, peer,
0: that peer support that we've been talking to you about. Uh, sorry, uh, Adam, that whole idea of getting out ahead of things. And if part of your normal day, part of your routine of staying healthy in your mind is those regular phone calls, say, with someone that means a lot to you or those text messages, I think it's a really good message to let people know it's important that they
6: keep those things up. It's integral to our ability to balance extra pressures, is to have extra supports. And it's sometimes tough because there's probably a lot more people reaching out to everybody. But think about the fact that a short text message back to a person could mean the world of difference to them for 10 seconds for you.
1: It ties into one of the things I was talking about earlier. That's why I need to do a better job at responding to text messages from our listeners. Because it if, it's a simple gesture, and if you can just find the time, it, it can make that difference. So, Adam, we thank you for joining us to discuss this. We appreciate uh, the time as always, sir.
6: Uh, anytime. Appreciate being on the air. Adam
1: Milne is a mental health and peer support advocate. So, again, those phone numbers... Canada's National Suicide Prevention Line, 1-833-456-4566. The CMHA is 204-982-6100. Again, that's 982-6100. And Mood Disorders, 204-786-0987. And Big Daddy Taz, I noticed on Facebook, he posted a video. It goes back about a year and a half now, but this was in, I think it was Michigan, and it was a scene on a, a highway where... Someone was poised to jump off of a bridge and there was this lineup of semi-trucks that pulled up to create this kind of barrier Mm -hmm. to save this person in the event that they did jump. And the message was along the lines of, there's always another way, so don't give up. Maybe your shopping, Greg, involves having to pick up that Christmas turkey
0: yeah, I you know, I would suggest you probably want to have a fresh turkey at this point if you're planning to have it on Christmas Day, but uh that's my <laughs> guess, let's confirm that Chef Gordon Bailey from Red River College joining us. Now, good morning, Gordon.
7: Hello, good morning, gentlemen. We really appreciate you taking
0: some time with us. And uh before we jump into that, why don't we answer that question if I'm planning to To cook my turkey for Christmas Day, should it be out of the freezer by now?
7: It should definitely be out of the freezer by now because you're looking at, honestly, at refrigerated temperatures to defrost a turkey three, four days. So you're going to be behind the eight ball right now if your turkey is still frozen. But there is good news for those that might still have a frozen turkey. If you do it under cold running water, you'll be able to defrost it a lot more rapidly than uh, just leaving it in the fridge. So you're still okay.
0: How long do I have to run it under, run the water over top? Quite of it? honestly,
7: it depends on how big your bird is, right? So, say you're taking your average size, like, you know, eight kilogram 16, 17 pound turkey, that's probably going to take about, uh, say, six hours under uh, cold running water, maybe a little bit longer. But, like I say, it's still a better uh, option than, uh, you know, serving a, a cold insided bird, right? So,
1: do I really, I, I would just feel guilty about running the tap for. Six hours well,
7: you know what you can honestly i I, I feel your pain there. you can uh, let it run for uh, twenty minutes, turn it off, uh, you know go back to it in another hour, turn it back on for a little bit just to get that water circulating just so it starts to uh, envelop and uh, defrost that bird.
0: so the, the reason for defrosting it that matter in that manner versus just sitting it on the counter.
7: Well, I mean, we get into a whole, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, problematic area there. If you're leaving your bird out at room temperature to uh, defrost, you're going to be maybe incurring some bacterial growth. Um, Obviously, you don't want to keep any kind of meat at room temperature for any duration of time, so... Let's keep it food safe, everybody, here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. And um, you know what? Get your turkey fresh and or do it the proper way in the fridge or under the cold running water. But let's say you got a fresh turkey and we're talking about cooking it, right? hmm Okay. So here's the big question, right? Everyone always has this, you know, the long, you know, debated, oh, my God, it's like the Christmas lampoons where he carves it and the thing blows up into a puff of air, right? It's dry turkey. No one wants dry turkey. No one says, oh, my God, that turkey was so fabulous. It was so dry. You want to have... A moist, delicious turkey, and there's there's quite a few ways to do that. A is is obviously to uh, to roast it for the appropriate amount of time. And when we're talking time here, it depends once again on the size of the bird. Uh, you can sit here and we can we can you know debate like, oh, I go like you know 15 minutes per pound, or I go four hours for an average size 16 pound bird. But quite honestly, you can do that, but every oven is going to be different, right? So what you want to do is uh, always uh, go with the tried, tested, intrude and trued uh, and using a, a probe thermometer and check the internal temp of your turkey. What you want to do is you want to bring it up to uh, an internal temp. The Food Safe uh, Canada Guide is uh, right around 170 degrees, and uh, that should give you a still nice, juicy, plump, tasty bird. And in terms of juice, uh, one of my buddies, I think his wife does the
1: bacon-wrapped turkey i've seen that a few people doing that over the years and uh is that something that can add to the overall juice factor of a bird
7: well sure what you're doing there in culinary terms is you're, you're barding right so uh you're taking something that is uh, got a higher fat content like bacon and you're draping it over the protein that you're cooking and what that's going to do is kind of naturally based it's going to keep some juices in there right so as that fat renders, it, it seeps into the skin, uh, seeps into the meat, and keeps it nice and, and tender. And obviously when you're using something like bacon, hey, <laughs> you're adding bacon flavor, right? So <laughs> you can't go wrong there. Um, so does that sound tasty? For sure. I mean, cooking is all about um, doing things that, uh, you know, A, you're comfortable with, but also stepping into your comfort area a little bit and trying something new, right? Um, th- there's plenty of different ways to... Uh, you know, to create different flavor profiles with different uh, proteins. And especially with turkey, if you're talking about bacon, I love it. But I will have to say this. If you're looking for another way to to solidify that moistness in that uh, that turkey you're roasting, I always brine my turkeys now. Explain. Okay. All right. Well, brining <laughs> brining is a process where you're going to be uh, letting your, your turkey be submerged in in a, a salted uh, brine solution, so you can just use your regular table salt, kosher salt, things like that, um, and what you're going to be doing is the the salt is going to be disrupting the proteins in the, uh, in the flesh, and it's going to be allowing it to take on some water content, right, and that water content is going to obviously, when you're roasting, it's going to keep it more plump, more juicy, and uh, tender throughout the roasting process, so... Am I doing that in the sink? Where am I doing that? You know what? Honestly, okay, when we're talking a turkey, right, it's not a chicken where it's, uh, you know, so it's a smaller item. A turkey is quite sizable, so it's a good question. If you have a pot that's large enough, great. If not, you know what really works well is those uh, 16-liter 18-liter pails from, you uh, you know, one of those, uh, you know, like a Home Depot store or something like that. My big orange bucket. Oh my god, the ones that they give you when you buy a certain amount of like bricklaying materials and all that yes. stuff. Yeah, that's the ones. They're okay. perfect. Never <laughs> yeah, just, ever
0: would have thought of that, but that's that's brilliant.
7: Yeah, I mean, if you if you already mixed up your uh, mortar in that bucket, you might want to <laughs> give it a little disinfectant. But if you got a nice fresh bucket, something along that size, that'll hold the turkey really well. And it, it's honestly all you're looking to do is uh, is be able to cover the turkey with the water. And, uh, I mean, I can get into the whole brining solution process here. You can do equilibrium brining, or you can do it just to taste. If you're doing equilibrium, you're doing it by the weight of uh, the protein that you're doing. So you're going to be only doing like a 2% content uh, of salt. Um, but you can honestly just also wing it and do it by taste. I mean, if it tastes like kind of like ocean water, okay, then, uh, then you're probably safe to, uh, to use that for your brining liquid. And, you know what, just leave it in overnight, okay? Okay. Um, If you get it too salty, what's going to happen is you're going to start to actually, when you add too much salt, talking like bacon, you're going to start to cure the turkey, okay? And that's actually going to like really kind of like sort of almost dry it out a little bit.
0: Now, I've heard that there are a couple of different strategies in terms of even placing the bird in the
7: roasting pan. Well, sure, you want to have the, <laughs> yeah, you want to have the breast side up. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to, uh, unless you're talking about kind of like that beer can chicken thing, like standing yeah, yeah, the turkey up like I, Mr. Yeah, but I
0: heard somebody the other day suggest that you put it breast down.
7: Okay, well, you know what? Um, that's the beautiful thing with this, this culinary world and this landscape is that there's many different ways to do something. Um, I'm not going to say that's wrong, okay? I don't like to say anything's really wrong unless it's actually wrong. That's
0: not what you would do. <laughs>
7: But it's not what I'm going to do. I'm not going to flip my bird over and uh, and roast it upside down. However, if, you know, someone is uh, willing to give that a try, I would definitely say, hey, you know what? Call into the radio station after uh, the holidays <laughs> are done and let us know how it worked out. What I like to do, though, um, is I'll do it the conventional way where I'll have the, the breast side up. And um, what that allows me to do is is really get that caramelized, crispy skin that I'm looking for on the bird, right? So...
1: That's my favorite part of the turkey is the skin. My mom and I, would whenever we would go out for a Christmas dinner to another uh, member of the family, they would call the two of us, Brett, Linda, uh, come get the skin, because no one else wanted it. So I would think, well... <laughs> Too bad for you. Right, and
7: I'm trying to think here, you know, I'm, I'm counting myself how many times my hand's been slapped, you know, grabbing that uh, turkey skin off the bird before mm. it's been carved and uh, set on the table.
0: Nothing like it. So we were uh, talking off air about how Winnipeg has uh, become a, a culinary uh, delight, really. Like dining mecca. Yeah, and, and, and I have to suspect or I will guess uh, that part of that is the success of the culinary arts program at, at Red River.
7: Well, sure. I, I, you know, I'd like to think it is for sure. We, we have a, a really good program. I'm an instructor at the Red River College uh, School of Hospitality and Culinary Arts. And yeah, we have a two year culinary program. Uh, we have an apprenticeship program, level one, level two that we run there. And uh, you know what I was saying earlier, I, I spent 17 years on the East Coast in Prince Edward Island. And, and just recently moved back five years ago. And from when I left to when I came back, the dining scene has changed insurmountably here in Winnipeg. The amount of independent restaurants, the talent pool with the, the, the chefs, uh, the young cooks that uh, the college is, uh, is, is unleashing into this uh, culinary landscape, it, it's phenomenal. I mean, uh, yeah, I have to say Winnipeg was always sort of like, oh, you know, it's a it's a decent city for food you know, 20 years ago, um, but now it's becoming, you know, on everybody's radar. We, we have some of the best restaurants, I want to say, within uh, Canada for sure, and uh, it just keeps growing from there.
1: You spent some time in PEI, which I just think is super interesting.
7: How long were you out there? I was there for uh, 17 years. Okay. Yeah, I, I moved out there. I wanted to uh, cook seafood when, uh, you know, I was uh, doing my uh, term at Red River College. Uh, upon graduation, I was like, you know what? I want to go cook seafood. I want to go direct to the source. So me and my girlfriend now wife, we packed up the pickup truck. Boom. We landed in PEI, never being out to the East Coast in our lives before. It was going to be for one or two years. 17 years later, three restaurants later, um, and we just had the time of our lives. But you know what? It it was time to to come back to the nest and uh, be around family and friends. Now, I've heard that Winnipeg
0: is – we think of Winnipeg as being so isolated as – Uh, pertains to to bringing in fresh ingredients seafood in particular but I've heard some chefs say actually we have the best of both worlds because we can get mostly fresh from the east coast and mostly fresh from the west coast what's your take on that
7: uh you know what I mean seafood it's um let's see it's it's Tricky, right? Because you do want to have seafood usually in its uh, most uh, freshest state, right? So if it's frozen, it starts to change its qualities a little bit. Um, However, you're you're right. I mean, we we do have some good lake fish here. Pickerel is outstanding, things like that. Uh, As far as getting the coastal uh, seafood, some things travel better than others. I mean, if we're talking like oysters, mussels, uh, you know what? They can, you know, tend to, uh, you know, be harvested, five days out of the water, we get them, they're still like supreme, right? Um, You start talking about some other fish, I mean, you're looking at, say, let's talk about a halibut you can get from either coast, right? Um, It's out of the water, say, two, three days before it gets to uh, the distributor, then it's on a truck for another few days to get here. You know what? Can we get good quality? For sure. But you just got to be really careful and, and, you know, um, know where you're buying it from.
1: Two more things before we let you go here. Guaranteed. We we had a text message that came in. Just as you said the word brine, we got a text message from someone said, just started listening. Have we talked about brining yet? And then immediately they shouted out, yes, and then said, scared my daughter because I started cheering when he <laughs> talked about brining, salting my face as weird mom. And then we have another text, and I'm glad that this came in because I meant to ask you about it. Deep frying a turkey.
7: Okay. Okay, everybody, listen. Now, here's the thing, right? Deep frying makes things taste good, and we all know that. However, this is one of the things that you want to be super careful about. We, we see how many times, you know, Thanksgiving, United States, another garage fire. Um, and, and what's happening is, honestly, people are, you know, maybe being a little bit um, unprecautious in certain ways, because what happens is anytime that you put something like water into, um, you know, hot oil, you're going to get uh, you're going to get flames. OK, so. Uh, The biggest thing there, if you're going to be deep frying a turkey, once again, which is delicious, you're going to want to make sure that that thing is defrosted and padded dry, okay? You don't want to have any excess moisture on that turkey because what's going to happen, you put that into the oil and especially if your uh, your pot that you're frying in is a little bit full, you have uh, something called displacement. So, you know, you're going to spill oil onto the open flames or the burner for that matter. Um, And then you have a a potentially huge fire hazard. So anybody that is doing a deep fried turkey, be careful.
1: Chef Gordon Bailey from Red River College joining us live on 680 CJOB. (laughs) Chef, thank you very much for this. we got to have you back.
7: Anytime. I'm out.